millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The London Underground is a network of rat runs and tiny tunnels that transport thousands of Londoners every day. To get to the train, commuters and day-trippers pass through some fairly ancient concourses and ticket halls, a fast-moving anteroom to the main event of shuttle travel, if you will. The concourse musters up a sense of relative safety, a place which is the precursor to the main event, with the potential of a fun ride on an escalator. Occasionally, as with any place in a major city, there is the potential for something to go drastically wrong, for the bustling calm to unravel and chaos to seep in, and for some, that chaos can bring deadly consequences. This time on Macabre London, we're uncovering the King's Cross Station fire. London today is a bustling metropolis, an exciting place to visit, and a somewhat safe place to call home. An eclectic mix of people from all over the world live in London, and the crime rate is dropping year on year. In some parts of this vibrant capital, the crime rate is lower than that of much smaller cities in other parts of the UK. However, things haven't always been so safe. Stories and tales of old have echoed around the streets and grown to become that of legend, particularly those of a gruesome nature. Today we'll be exploring one of these stories and discovering about London's often bloody past. My name is Nikki Drees and this is Macabre London. London Underground in 1987 was drastically different from how we experience it today. If you've never taken a trip on the Tube, you may not have experienced its charms and character of vintage detailing in parts. But you can also notice its shiny chrome makeover in a lot of the newer stations it's added to its collection over the years. With over 270 Tube stops to pick from, 
It's impossible to keep all of them looking their absolute best at all times. And as a public funded service, the money tends to be spent on improving the journey rather than the offload and intake zone of its destination. Many of the fixtures and fittings inside the ticket halls were installed just after World War II, and the wooden escalators leading down and away from the trains were just some of these fixtures, which looked charming and were still seemingly fit for purpose, but it would be one of these wooden escalators which would ultimately lead to the death of 31 people on the 18th of November 1987. King's Cross Station is one of the largest and busiest interchanges on the whole of the London Underground Network. The station serves overground mainline trains, and in 1987 have the Northern, Victoria and Piccadilly lines, that's the black, navy, blue and light blue lines, crossing over, and where many people would switch lines to complete their journey. On the evening of the 18th of November, shoppers preparing for Christmas were busy making their way home with bags of gifts, and only an hour beforehand, rush hour in the city had drawn to a close. This meant that the underground wasn't as busy as the peak time, but it was still reasonably busy for a November evening. One visitor to the city, who was making his way back to the station, was taking the wooden escalator to the King's Cross Concourse. As he was standing on the escalator, he saw a strange glow emanating beneath the wooden slats, and tracked down a station worker to report it. Two of them walked back to the escalator, but as they looked downwards onto the moving stairs, they couldn't see anything untoward. This would later be explained as the angle the two were looking down onto the escalator from only allowed them to see along it, and not down into the mechanics, which the passenger had been able to see when travelling upwards. The ticket collector at the time dismissed the incident as nothing to worry about. In 1985, smoking was banned on London underground trains, but people would regularly light up whilst making their way out of the station. So as a result, quite often lit matches could be seen burning away on the escalators, who would nine times out of ten extinguish themselves with no damage to be seen. So with that in mind, the ticket collector headed back to the main concourse and continued on with his duties. A further two passengers travelling up the escalators from the platforms reported the glow to the ticket collector, who took another closer look, and could then see a warm glow coming from beneath, and a small flame starting to peek through the wooden slats. The ticket collector and staff in the station had access to some basic firefighting equipment, but hadn't been shown how to operate it. So instead of trying to extinguish the fire, they spoke to a policeman who was inside the station, and he called the fire brigade. It took 13 minutes for firefighters to arrive on the scene. These 13 minutes would prove to be crucial in the devastation that was to follow. As the fire burned, two firemen walked along the escalator on the opposite side to assess the scene. By this time, the flames had reached the size of a normal hearth fire, which seemed to be not rapidly growing. With no real concern, the firemen went back up to the ticket hall to collect the tools to extinguish the fire. As they did, London Underground staff began to evacuate the station, but trains were still running through all lines below. Within the next three minutes, the whole escalator would be completely aflame. Staff inside the station had begun to evacuate passengers arriving up through the concourse onto the Victoria Line escalators, which led into the same area as the Piccadilly Line escalators, and that was where the fire was. As the escalator completely burst into flame, it caused a deadly flashover, which erupted into the ticket hall where all of the freshly evacuated passengers had just been sent. 
The flames and superheated gases from under the escalator, fused with the old layers of paint which coated the ceiling, made a deadly fume bomb. The old paint also absorbed and held all the heat in the ceiling itself, making the fire burn quicker and faster. Those who had just entered the ticket hall from the escalator were either killed instantly or were very badly burned. The flashover in the ticket hall caused all the passengers arriving onto the platforms below ground to be trapped. The only way to escape was to get onto trains coming into the station. The communication to the drivers of the trains below was sketchy at best. Some trains passed through the station, leaving passengers stranded on the platforms, where smoke was now starting to collect. Other trains stopped and were instantly packed with passengers. Some people arriving at the station didn't realise the danger and got off the train, trying to leave the station, but walked out into flames. Those that were injured were dragged onto trains by other passengers who saw their horrifying injuries. One policeman, who was stuck on one of the platforms, tried to exit via another route. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And while stumbling through the intense heat, he saw another person slumped by the bottom of the escalator. Not knowing if the person was alive or not, they decided to drag them along another corridor, hoping to find a way out. After carrying on down the corridor, the pair found themselves locked in and behind some metal gates. Just as the policeman had given up hope of leaving the station alive, the cleaner, who happened to have the keys to the gates, passed by outside and set the pair free. The cleaner helped drag the injured man away, and luckily both of them survived. The fire at King's Cross burned from approximately 7.30pm until 1.46am, at which time the fire brigade confirmed it was 100% extinguished. Overall, 14 ambulances, 30 fire crews and 150 firemen attended the fire. 100 people sustained minor to life-threatening injuries and 31 people lost their lives. As with any major loss of life event in the UK, the Prime Minister was expected to attend the scene to see the devastation firsthand. The next day, Margaret Thatcher attended the station and in a rare show of public emotion, seemed to be visibly upset by what she saw. Just 48 hours after the fire, the Prime Minister initiated the preparation for the public inquiry to be set in motion. From February until June 1988, 91 days worth of evidence was submitted and the report itself was published in October that year, and clocks in at a whopping 185 pages long. In an effort to get to the bottom of how and why the fire happened, a team of experts spent six months testing and compiling experiments on replica escalators and recreations of the scene. 
To begin with, they needed to establish the original cause of the fire. At the time, in London, there had been a number of terrorist attacks carried out across the city by the Irish Republican Army, better known as the IRA. And initially, there were hints from some eyewitnesses that there may have been an incendiary device placed under the escalator, which would explain the extreme flashover from the originally detected small fire. However, eyewitness reports of a man entering a hatch were all dismissed as incorrect, as the hatch people had reported didn't actually lead to the escalators, and would have been very difficult for anyone to have easily carried a bomb large enough that was capable of the damage the fire did. After the initial exploration of the escalators had happened, experts were able to see the amount of debris, litter, grease and fluff that had accumulated underneath escalator number four, where the fire had started. The initial combustion point had proven to be a discarded match from a smoker. Someone had lit up as they were travelling up the escalator and thrown a discarded match. This had fallen down the gaps at the side of the escalator and made its way into the debris below. When the escalator was inspected, it was revealed that a number of cleats, which are the metal edges of the escalator, had come off, leaving significant hand-sized holes down the side where a cigarette or match could easily slip through. There were four recreations of the fire in total, some on small-scale models of the escalator and two life-size recreations, one where an exact replica of the escalator was created in Oxfordshire in an outside laboratory and where the recreated fire reacted in the way the fire had done in the station. As the flames burned underneath the escalator, they climbed upwards on a slant, laying low underneath. This caused them to heat all of the wood on the escalator, floor and walls, so when the flames actually started to touch those areas, they combusted very quickly. Incredibly, the report showed just how impending the King's Cross fire was. When inspecting the mechanics and remaining site of the escalator, the wood saw not one or two or even three scorch marks from previous fires, but eight on the one escalator alone. This means that eight small fires had previously burned underneath that escalator and extinguished themselves. As a result of the report, the finger of blame was pointed at the London Underground themselves. The escalators were meant to be regularly cleaned and inspected, but when looking into whether this had actually happened, it was shown that the mechanics underneath had never been given a full clean since their installation after World War II. This means that the build-up of dirt and grease under the escalator was over 40 years old. Station staff were also not trained in fire safety, nor given the correct equipment to be able to extinguish the fire. Police and fire service were also blamed that they didn't know the layout of the station, so when it came to evacuating people quickly and safely, many were sent to their death in the ticket hall via the other escalator, when they could have easily exited through other points on the line. The emergency services also didn't have radios that worked underground, so they couldn't communicate with each other, and this also led to more injuries and deaths as a result. In the wake of the fire and the condemning report, those in managerial positions at the London Underground Network resigned, and all eyes were on those stepping into their shoes to make things right. Smoking was already banned on the tube and stations, but not heavily enforced. After the fire, fines were imposed on those who lit up in stations, and smoking was generally becoming unaccepted by other passengers too. To make stations safer, all wooden escalators were eventually removed and replaced with metal ones over the whole system, with the busier stations receiving priority. Cleaning was made mandatory, and all station staff received essential fire and evacuation training. 
To make platforms safer, and to also allow staff and emergency services to communicate with each other underground, a new radio system was installed. This allowed staff and emergency services to communicate below ground, which would mean if there was another fire of this magnitude, there could be live updates of where the fire was spreading, allowing exits to be clearly marked and directed to for those trying to escape. Most major stations since the fire have seen widening of ticket halls, opening out of escalators and tunnels demolished and replaced with larger concourses leading onto the platforms. The fire brigade also saw some improvements in the form of their uniforms, which failed and caused burns during the event. These were redesigned and replaced with heat-resistant materials. Overall, the fire at King's Cross was undoubtedly one of the worst events to have ever happened in the history of the underground network. But ultimately, it did lead to some much-needed improvements, but at the cost of other people's lives. Undoubtedly, the fire did teach the London Underground some valuable lessons, but these were inevitably accidents waiting to happen, and the people in charge were using the excuse of saving money and cleaning and upgrading services, which ultimately led to 31 people dying. The comparisons with the King's Cross fire and the recent tragedy of the Grenfell Tower Block fire can be easily drawn together, in a similar vein, money that should have been spent on renovations and creating safe spaces for people to use daily was skimped upon, and only after a huge loss of life was the decision made to improve things. Now with the recent decision to spend £40 million on renovating tower blocks, can people start to look to the future and hope another tragedy doesn't erupt from the ashes of other people's mistakes? you enjoyed this episode of macabre london if you did please let us know by leaving a comment giving a thumbs up by following us on twitter facebook and instagram and by leaving a review on itunes or what is now known as apple podcasts please join us next time for another episode of macabre london and make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel and click that little bell icon so you get notified whenever i post new videos and also be sure to subscribe to the podcast so we show up on your notifications automatically as well for this week's podcast shout out, I want to welcome one of our newest fans, Olivia from What's Her Name Podcast, a podcast that is all about women throughout history that you've never heard of, but you probably should have. Go and find the show on Apple Podcasts and have a listen. I think you'll love it. I'll see you next time.